and then I was looking up at the people who were, you know, the the vice president or my boss mm-hmm. managers, and they were miserable. Like they're still working until ten at night, and they have kids at home. And I'm just like, is this really what I want for my life? And the whole time, I'm in the back of my mind, like dreaming about living abroad. What's up, people? Welcome back to People That Travel, where I interview nomads or anyone that is sick of their mundane life where they just want to move on, explore the world, and here we show you that it's possible. You don't need tons of money. You don't need to know anyone from another country or the country that you're interested in going to. You just need to take action. Today, I have Dana Drejos, an American traveler, a plant-based nutritionist specialized in women health, and most importantly, the host of the podcast, Creators in Saigon. And today, of course, we're in Ho Chi Minh, Saigon. Welcome to the podcast, Dana. Thank you so much, Christian. I'm so excited. Yeah, same, same. I've been wanting to interview you for quite a while, um, but obviously because of the situation and the COVID stuff, it hasn't been as easy. Yeah. Uh, but I'm really excited to hear everything you have to say because you yourself have been in Vietnam for over three years now. Mm-hmm. And you create content, you do stuff on the internet, you do English teaching. So you do a lot of things mm-hmm. and you're very similar to the way I am that Whatever you see that you want to try, you do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're really curious to learn from you. Um, can you please give us an introduction of yourself? Where are you from mm-hmm. and how old are you? Yep, I'm from New Jersey in the USA. Grew up there my whole life and I'm 28 right now. And yeah, I've been in Saigon for about three years. Came here just to teach English and had no other plans other than that and then it just turned into this whole other life and it's amazing right cool cool okay um so when did traveling start for you Mm -hmm. at at what age did you travel for the first time yeah so when I was I believe 15 or 16 actually I took a trip with my school to Greece okay it was like a Greek mythology class that I was in and we took a trip to Greece and yeah that was the first time that I flew out of the country you also mentioned that you went to Australia during Mm -hmm. like a university yeah yeah I studied abroad uh, as a junior for one semester to Australia Gold Coast right and then that was my first time living for an extended period of time abroad where I really got to get to know local people get to know the culture Uh, so that was that just opened up my eyes so much um, and you went for six months. You went on a student visa, I'm guessing. Yeah. Yeah. Did you work out there? Nope. 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 I don't think I was allowed to work on a student visa okay. and didn't really need to or have mm. time to anyway. Right, right. Just enjoy your time. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then you went back to the States. You finished your degree. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did you graduate in? Communications. Communications. Okay, yeah. cool, cool. Um, and then you did the normal thing, which was to find a job. Yep. Yeah. So growing up in New Jersey... The pretty typical thing to do is to go work in New York City. Uh-huh. I didn't even want to do that. I grew up hating New York City. Right. I was from like a rural kind of farm town, suburban um, part of New Jersey. And every time I went into the city, I was like, oh, this sucks. There's so many people. It's loud. It's dirty. I did not like it. I had only ever been to the really touristy parts, though. So I thought that that was all that New York City was. Right. And um, I tried getting jobs. I applied for jobs in like D.C. or Austin, Texas, but I just wasn't 
getting any jobs and the only place I could get a job was New York uh, so I was like okay I guess moving to New York mm-hmm. and it's funny how reluctant I was when so many other people would like die to be in New York like you know I feel like everyone around the world is like oh, New York the dream and yeah. I was like oh, oh, I have to go to New York like <laughs> but once I was there and I was introduced to the other parts of the city that are less touristy and that are just beautiful and I just fell in love with the city okay. and so I was there for two and a half years at a pharmaceutical advertising agency job which was a very like work hard play hard type of culture you're up until one in the morning working and then you go out and party with everyone and it was really fun at first it felt like college part two Mm -hmm. it's like ooh, cool like we're working hard and we're taking adderall to like keep working and then we're going out and partying and like doing all this stuff but after two years i was like is this like really where i want my life is this it like (laughs) and then i was (laughs) yeah and then i was looking up at the people who were you know the the vice president or my boss Mm -hmm. managers and they were miserable like they're still working until 10 at night and they have kids at home and I'm just like is this really what I want for my life and the whole time I'm in the back of my mind like dreaming about living abroad and you know still traveling anytime I can on my vacation Um, but finally I had visited my friend who was living in Cape Town South Africa she still lives there and she had said like if I can do it you can do it and that was the one sentence that I needed to hear. I was like, yeah, if she can do it, I can do it. Like, let me just quit my job and go. <laughs> what was what was keeping you away from doing that? Was it pressure from your family? Um, was it obviously the job or all the time mm. you've invested in it? Yeah, I would say all of those things. I think when I would talk to my parents about wanting to live abroad in the beginning, they were definitely pretty uncomfortable about it. And then also the fact of student loans in the U.S. I was still paying off my debt and my parents wanted me to to pay that off before I go travel, which is smart. Like, I I agree. Like, I wanted to do that as well and not worry about it. Um, So it was kind of that combination of, okay, let me stay here, make the money I can make to pay off this debt. And uh, and then also sort of gaining my parents trust through the fact that I moved to New York City, which is a really hard city to live in, and I survived, like, I made it, uh, and and I had traveled on my own too many places before, so it was kind of like, guys, I can do this, uh-huh. it's fine, it's gonna be fine. Yeah, just society kind of getting to me where it's like, oh, you should be going up the career ladder, and if I talk to it about it to people at work they're like oh but you're giving up so much money like you could make so much money if you just stay here a few more years and like become VP level and stuff and so that was kind of getting in my head and I'm like yeah and then a little bit feeling like I'm wasting my university degree that my parents paid so much money for to come teach English uh, felt a little bit uh, am I am I wasting all that money? Of course, no, and so, and yeah. you, there's no one around you that is doing it, so you also doubt it. Mm-hmm. And obviously, you want to do what everyone around you is doing, so it's naturally that you are um, guided through that path. Mm-hmm. And so, your friend from South Africa said, "Do it. If I can do it, you can do it." Um, how long did it take you from when she said that? 
to actually take action and start leaving? And how did you find the first country that you went to? Yeah, it was immediate. It was immediate. Like I was on the plane ride home and I was just crying on the plane ride home because I'm like, I don't want to go back to America. I don't want to go back to my job. And I was already scheming and plotting like, okay, right when I get home, I'm going to start researching about getting a TEFL course. I signed up online right away for a course and started researching right away different countries to go to. And I knew one girl who was teaching in, where was it? I think Korea. Uh, So I talked to her a little bit and just started doing my research and Vietnam kept coming up to the top of the list of as an English teacher yeah Mm -hmm. as an English teacher and then I found the ninja teacher YouTube channel and I was just binging like all the content about Vietnam like following other YouTubers here watching like Anthony Bourdain on Netflix eating here and Uh just like soaking it all in and I just was obsessed yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, and then Vietnam was it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because I, l- I heard the podcast of you with Ninja Teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he was the one that helped you come out here and become an English teacher. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, so what is the process to become an English teacher here? What what did he help you out with? Mm-hmm. What certificates or diplomas did you have to do? Mm. Yeah, oh gosh, let's see if I can even remember. I mean, you def- here in Vietnam, you definitely need a bachelor's degree, Okay. Uh, first of all. It, it's hard to say. I feel like the laws are changing so rapidly, even yeah. as we're speaking. But no, no. I mean, at that time, you could have a bachelor's in anything. It didn't matter as long as you had a degree. And then you do uh, four weeks, one month of this TEFL course. Here uh, in Vietnam. Here. Yeah, okay. I did it here. Um, yeah, the thing I did with Ninja Teacher, it was like you pay for the flight over, but then included is the course and your your stay like your housing so you stay in a room uh and and you pay for your food and stuff but they also give you kind of a first tour around the city to kind of ease you into it uh and just the fact that you're there with multiple other people who are all going through the same thing at the same time so that was a nice sort of comfortable way to come into it because very smart way of doing it yeah because i didn't know anyone here or anything about vietnam besides what i saw in the videos right so yeah, it was a four-week course, and then they also help you find an actual job. They have contacts. They can, like, you know, refer you to mm-hmm. certain schools. And, um, yeah, so they referred me to a school. I applied, interviewed, got the job. Great. And, yeah. And is that the same school that you're working for now? Yeah. Oh, great. Mm-hmm. So you're still working for them. Yeah. Cool. Because I hear as well that um, you have to be very careful with the school you sign a contract with mm-hmm. because sometimes they do um they make you work more than you should or mm-hmm. they don't pay you right or yeah and that it definitely still happens i mean even with mine it feels like they ask for more than what is really in my job description right, exactly. and uh-huh. i kind of i guess i'm just so grateful to even be here and to mm-hmm. even be able to live this lifestyle that I'm kind of like, okay, whatever. I'll, I'll do whatever yeah, it takes just course. to continue being here. Yeah, yeah. And the, how's the job? Do you like teaching? How, who do you teach? Uh, so I teach adults, which oh, I'm cool. very grateful for. That was like a huge, uh, pleasant surprise for me because right. I had zero experience with kids, even in the U.S. I never did babysitting. I never like didn't have any experience teaching. Mm. And I don't really like kids that much, <laughs> so or, or I'm just like uncomfortable around them, I guess. Uh-huh. Or I don't have the energy. It's pay, a lot of patience. Yeah, yeah. 
So I was surprised and happy to find that there are plenty of like adult schools that you can teach at. It's like an English center, not a school. Um, mm, okay. So I teach like university students or young professionals or even like retired people who it seems like they're doing it just as like a hobby or to keep their mind, you know, yeah. going. So it's um, more just speaking? It's an- it, they have like a very specific method that uh-huh. we follow and there is like levels you go through. Right. And I think a lot of them are trying to get the IELTS um, certificate. So there is a method behind it, but also conversational. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Cool. Cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and can I ask you how much do they pay you? Yeah. Um, for the half time is $22 million I get after taxes okay. per month. Per month. Okay. Mm-hmm. And how many hours do you have to work? 15 per week. 15 per week. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. That's not too bad. Yeah. So that ends up being about how much per hour? Oh, I never actually calculated it. Maybe like 18, yes. 19, 20. Something like that. Yeah. 18 to $20 yeah. an hour. It's okay. one of the, as far as I know, it's one of the like lower paying schools mm, okay. out of, you know, if I were to be at an international school, they pay a lot higher um, or even other English centers teaching children it seems like they pay higher right um but then there's more preparation involved. yeah more preparation i was happy to just be teaching adults and <laughs> that is just such a huge factor for me because i care more about my energy and like preserving my energy because i need that energy to do the other things that i really want to do course, yeah. so if i'm spending my energy teaching kids if that's going to drain me even if i'm making more money it doesn't really matter yeah, I agree with you. I agree mm-hmm. with you. No, health over everything. Yeah. Um, and like you say, teaching English is just a stepping stone for you to be able to work on what you're doing right yeah. now. Mm-hmm. Um, great. Okay, cool. And so let's talk about when you arrived to Vietnam. How did you feel? How did you mm-hmm. settle in into Vietnam? How did, was it finding accommodation? Yeah, so the first day I was just in my bed crying the whole day because I was too scared to go outside and just seeing all the motorbikes I was like I don't know how to cross the street I don't know where anything is and I was very confused about like where I can eat food because a lot of the a lot of the street stall kind of places they almost kind of look like it's someone's house or like someone's kitchen or living room with some chairs put out and I'm like is this like a restaurant or someone's house like I'm not sure yeah yeah so I was so uncomfortable a lot of Vietnamese houses are like that that's the and I hear that's their main goal is to have Mm -hmm. their own accommodation on the top and their business at the bottom exactly that's the dream yeah yeah Um, so so I know exactly what you mean if you come here for the first time you're not 100% sure yeah what the hell that is and sometimes they're having a funeral there too yeah (laughs) (laughs) exactly Uh, so that's so funny yeah and like I I think I got here maybe a day earlier than a lot of other people in the program did okay. so I was alone and just like very confused so that was not a good day but then after people started coming and I started meeting other people and and they took us on that tour it just all became a bit more comfortable mm-hmm. it still took me about a week to actually cross a street <laughs> with all the motorbikes coming of course, uh, and it took me probably two weeks to get comfortable with the idea of getting on a motorbike like getting on a grab bike um, so it was yeah slow but i was just also so excited i was just like oh my god it's very exciting i feel like it was actually i felt this wave of sort of comfort wash over me where i finally felt like i fit in somewhere or 
I just felt comfortable in a way that I hadn't in New York or in America. Right. Yes. You know, I had the same feeling the first time I came here. Mm-hmm. I felt a little bit of free. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, I guess it has to do a lot as well with transportation. Just the fact that you can just get any scooter to hop on. Mm-hmm. Um, everything seems a lot more simple. Yeah. I, I agree with you. And, and Vietnam is a lot like that everywhere in general mm-hmm. everything is so easy the transaction of renting an apartment or renting a scooter yeah. or buying something on the street even though they might not speak the same language mm-hmm. i do feel it's it's very smooth mm-hmm. um so yeah. you're happy here your life here is great yes i love it yeah. and i think the most important is being surrounded by like-minded people who have a similar idea of i don't want the typical life at home or didn't feel like I fit in at home and coming here and just meeting other like-minded people who are into personal growth and like health and fitness and not that those people don't exist in the U.S. but I guess I just wasn't finding them or maybe I wasn't ready to find them at that time. That's true that's true too. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay and are you still living in the same place from when you arrived no oh my gosh the first place i stayed in was like a dump i mean i found it on craigslist oh my there's craigslist (laughs) in vietnam yeah i don't even know like (laughs) how i found that or why i would go on craigslist but (laughs) i just went for like the cheapest thing um because that's what i thought i had to do i wasn't even aware that there were like these super nice luxury western style places right, here yeah. you i didn't even know i didn't even know taudian was a thing uh-huh. i just like my only experience the the program that i did we were in govap and so that's what i thought all of ho chi minh city was where, for, where, where for a long that? time um it's near district 12 uh, kind of okay. near the airport okay so it's very like i mean there's no high-rise buildings it's it's very just a local vietnamese district um and so i was kind of like all right i guess this is how it is like Uh whatever the cockroaches are my friends now (laughs) that was my place um and yeah so it was maybe like five million plate like 200 something dollars a month oh Um, okay five million a month which is yeah yeah and so i saved a lot of money Uh but it was kind of just it wasn't a comfortable environment to be in uh and when you when you left the states to travel did you pay off already your student loan or you still Mm -hmm. have some debt you paid it all off yeah i didn't have a lot i'm very lucky that my parents helped me out a lot Oh, that's good yeah um how much money did you come to vietnam with how much did you Hmm. come with saved probably like five thousand okay okay yeah. that's a good amount mm-hmm. that's great um and how long did it take you till you started working as an english teacher uh i would say two months because yeah we did the month-long thing the tough tuffle tussle course uh-huh. and then i think i did another month of or i did two weeks of traveling and then two weeks of um applying and going on interviews and things like that right right okay yeah cool 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 mm-hmm. um all right and then uh, throughout the process of that, then you started working on your side stuff. Mm-hmm. So tell me a little bit about that. Um, what are you doing on the side besides teaching? Yeah, so it started out with I quickly realized that teaching is not for me. Mm-hmm. I was doing a full-time job at that time, and it was just, like, really exhausting. Even though it was Oh, old. you did it full-time. Yeah, wow. and even though it was adults, like, it still was six hours of, like, back-to-back 
hour-long classes and it just was really draining for me and I also was this is not true for all English teachers but I was finding myself feeling very bored because I didn't feel like I was learning anything new I didn't feel like I was growing as a person you're just Um, there for the paycheck there was no skills yeah yeah Yeah. it was kind of like okay I can't really like move up in this or I know how to speak English, so I'm not, like, learning anything yeah. from this. And that's totally my personal perspective. I've gotten in trouble before for, like, saying that and making it sound like it applies for all English teachers. I realize that some English teachers are, like, really passionate about yeah, it. And they, they, it. they like, put a lot of effort in to find new creative ways to teach different things. It just was not my thing. Mm. I'm like, I don't really care about this. I like, I like talking to people, and I like learning about the culture but I hate the having to like correct someone's grammar or the pressure of like I don't know like helping someone with their pronunciation Mm. it's like I just want to talk it's a lot of repeating 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 I get it yeah I used to teach English um it can be rewarding though if you see someone grow yeah but then like you said it's not something that when you left from work you're like oh okay I learned this today Mm -hmm. I'm getting better at this so it feels good yeah um I exactly know what you mean yeah so at that point it was like okay well I don't like this but I still want to live abroad I still like being here so I need to figure something else out and started just researching different ways to make money online and came across virtual assistant work and found this program that teaches you how to be a VA and oh cool started getting into that and then um I always kind of forget the timeline whether whether I started the podcast first or if I started podcast producing for clients first but either way at some point I also was having the idea of I'm meeting a lot of interesting people here in Saigon a lot of like creative people making content or entrepreneurs like starting cool new businesses locals and expats Mm -hmm. and from what I could see there was no podcast here really at that time Um, and I was wanting to do something to sort of give back to Vietnam in a way because I just felt very grateful that like I could be here and have this life uh, and I wanted to showcase the amazing people that are here so started Creators in Saigon that took like a lot of months because learning how to do all the production and editing and like just the whole process of it and the mental part as well of, of getting getting over my own ego and like fear of you know, humiliation and what people think and all of that. So it took took a long time right, to finally right. actually do it. I respect you. Um, that's, that's not easy. I know exactly what you mean. I think yeah. a lot of people want to do it, but it holds people back because mm-hmm. of what you say, just judgment of the people around you. Because at the mm-hmm. beginning, your, 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 your audience is going to be your family and friends and yep. the people around you. So that's what you're most concerned by. Mm-hmm. But then at the end of the day, those are the last people that stay listening to your stuff. Yeah. It's actually people that you have no idea who's listening. Yeah. Um, exactly. So I respect you a lot for that. I, yeah, I know how, how much it takes. Yeah. Um, and so you started launching your podcast and you were helping other people. Yes. So, yeah, as I was going along this virtual assistant journey it was kind of like okay what skill am I going to offer to other business owners uh and I was like okay well I just built up all these skills in podcasting so why don't I just offer that as 
my skills. Uh, and so I realized that there are a lot of business owners who have podcasts as part of their sort of content marketing and lead generation tool. So, and as you know, like producing this kind of content takes a lot of work. Mm. And so these people, their focus is not the podcast, it's their business. These business owners like need help with taking that whole load of work off their plate. So I would just do that for them. They send me the files and I do the editing and show notes and promotion, marketing, right. like Instagram, all that stuff. Okay, cool. Yeah. And how did you find clients for that? Uh, mostly through networking. Like I posted in a few Facebook groups or just asked around friends. Like I had met some people in the virtual assistant program that I did and I was like, hey, this is the skills that I want to offer. These are the type of clients I'm looking for. Does anyone know anyone? And one person that I knew, she's like, oh yeah, I have this friend from high school who sounds like a good fit and I'm still working with her to this day. Wow, so that's great. that was good. And then another one, he actually uh, went to the same university as me, but like 10 years apart. And he found me on LinkedIn. He said that he just searched in LinkedIn um, podcast producer and I came up because uh, we have a shared like school, university. And so then he messaged me and I'm still working with him okay. to this day. So do you dabble a lot on LinkedIn? I don't. Uh, okay. That was like purely luck. I never check my LinkedIn and randomly I got a feeling of like, I should, I haven't looked at my LinkedIn in a while. I should see what's going on there. Oh, right. And that day wow. I had a message from him. That's interesting. And I was like, whoa. And can I ask you, how do you charge these people? Do you charge these people by hourly? Because obviously at the beginning you're like, okay, I'll do this. But um, how, how do you come up with yeah. the figure? Oh, it was, it's so <laughs> hard. It's still so hard. It's, like It's trial and error kind of thing. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. Like there's, there were so many times where, I, I didn't have the confidence to charge what I should have charged mm. and end up, you know, feeling resentful and just like hating the working, client because you're doing yeah, more work like than doing you should. so much work for so little. And yeah. I was like, oh, my God, why did I agree to this? And then, it, yeah, it kind of just became like, OK, the first time I charged like fifty dollars yeah. for full podcast production which is oh, insane my God, like are you? <laughs> that was like eight hours oh, of work eight Jesus. to ten hours for fifty dollars total oh. and i did that for a long time wow. and then Good for you. and then with the next client i had a little bit more confidence so i charged a little bit more uh -huh. but it was still Not really enough. really low mm. and then after that i had a little bit more confidence so it just like with each new client, mm -hmm. I just increased the price yeah. until I was like, okay, that's that's, that's fair. like fair. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel you. I know I've done that myself. I've mm -hmm. done that myself when it comes to um, doing videos for companies. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, I'll do whatever. I just want, I'll do it for free. Yeah, that's how <laughs> yeah. I started. I'll do it for free. I'll do it for free. Yeah. Uh, but it's good because, yes, it it feels like you're getting cheated a little bit. But what you learn, mm -hmm. it's insane. Mm -hmm. And then the confidence, it comes with confidence because, yeah, you can charge $5,000 up front. But then if you deliver something that's not good, that yeah. fucks with your self-esteem, yep. your confidence. It's way better to charge less and give mm -hmm. more. Because yeah. then you feel, I I feel like a professional now. Yeah, yeah. Um, I know exactly what you mean. Cool, that's great. Mm -hmm. And then that's when you had also the confidence to be able to run your own podcast. Yeah. Actually, how it started was when I was talking with these university students that I was teaching English. Um, I would ask them, so what's your major? And they would say 
finance and they're like really unhappy about it. And I'm like, oh, why are you doing finance? Oh, because my parents want me to. And I would ask them, what are your hobbies? And say, literally they'll say sleeping. Like yeah. sleeping is not a hobby. <laughs> For here in Vietnam it is. It is, <laughs> yeah. And so I know that I was coming in with my like Western mindset and we are very privileged right. that we can even have hobbies. You know, I don't have to spend my free time learning English, which is like huge, my free time and my money. Uh, and, but still, I just, I guess I wanted to inspire people to see another way because I was meeting plenty of other Vietnamese who, who did have this mindset of, no, I don't want to work in finance just because my parents tell me to. I want to be a yoga instructor or like, uh, you know, I want, I want to have hobbies. I like painting. I like singing, all these things. And so I just wanted to showcase that. Um, and I guess I was just interested to hear people's stories and understand the culture um, and how people came here to right. where they are. Okay. Um, and if you were to say for the people that are listening and they want to check out your podcast, what is your favorite podcast of, of, of all? Is there like one podcast? Because I know obviously it's hard to say, but one that stands like out. Picking that, your favorite child. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> one that stands out that, that people can go and check out. Yeah. I think the one that was the most impactful um, is called, I believe it's called Mental Health and body image standards in Vietnam, something like that oh, um, with our guest Anne. So she's a local Vietnamese who very bravely spoke about her experience with body image issues um, because there's that culture in Vietnam of they're very blunt about your weight and they'll just tell you to your face like you're fat. Yeah. And she had an eating disorder. She ended oh, up in the hospital. No. Um, so it, it got pretty serious and so and then she also had a lot of bullying uh, she experienced bullying in middle school and not only just from kids but from the teacher as well like saying really mean screwed up things to her um, so she very bravely like opened up on the podcast to talk about all that stuff and I think it really resonated with a lot of Vietnamese especially who had had similar experiences and right. were feeling the same way and in Vietnam it's not as popular to openly talk about mental health issues there's mm -hmm. a very like different stigma attached with it so I think it was really powerful to openly talk about that stuff and sort of give people permission to talk about it as well right that's interesting mm -hmm. um yeah you know from what i've seen with the vietnamese culture the parents treat the kids um they're very strict with them not as nice and they're not there's not a lot of affection going on between them so the the communication between child and parent in vietnam is very dissociated mm -hmm. and i've heard a lot about people like suicidal thoughts mm -hmm. here it's actually very common mm -hmm. um, people dealing with that and not being happy with with it all coming down because they're um, unhappy at home mm -hmm. uh, so that's very interesting I'm gonna listen to that yeah. I would love to to understand a lot better because 
as you say. Um, I think the Vietnamese culture struggles a lot with that, mm-hmm. and they're not too open about it as they mm-hmm. are in the states or Western countries. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I didn't, and it, it wasn't as common either. Maybe 15 years ago, I think now yeah. it's starting to be a lot more common, mm-hmm. and people are, are opening up, um, and also thanks to the internet. Yeah, it's definitely. easier to access. Yeah. Um, and your podcast. So, how many uh, episodes have you guys done? Mm, I think we have. 37 37 now great yeah um and what opportunities have come about from your podcast a lot Mm. of people want to know maybe do you monetize your podcast Mm -hmm. you make any money from it or what opportunities have come from it Mm -hmm. um because i'm very open up i think this is interview 62 or 61 Mm. um i haven't made any money from it Mm -hmm. but the opportunities and the people that i've met yeah um and the friends that i've made Mm -hmm. has been amazing exactly there's so much value way beyond money um and yeah it was never started with the idea of i'm gonna make money it was purely just like this is a hobby i'm interested in doing this this is for fun uh and it it pretty much still is that way today we uh did one kind of sponsorship with a local um they make masks oh, local cool. mat they're called masked yeah uh and we have tried to work with other companies but we find that they just ghost us a lot like right. it's it's like we we sit down, we have a meeting with them. It all seems like, cool, this is going to happen. And then we don't hear from them wow. ever again. And okay. it's like, what? And how, how do you find these? Because I haven't really tried to find sponsors for my podcast yet. But mm-hmm. I know something I, need, I should probably do if I want to continue doing this long term. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you go about finding someone to sponsor your podcast? Um, so the one we had, they reached out to us, oh, actually. Cool. So that was lucky. Yeah. <laughs> they reached out to us. Um, so that was the only time, I think... I think if if I were to actively start doing that, I would just probably think about what are my values, what, uh, yeah, what are my values, and then also what is the audience interested in? Like, what yeah. do they need? Um, and then research companies that are offering that. Right, something that can benefit your audience. Yeah. For sure. Okay. But Let's yeah, the opportunities, I mean, I did a, I did a workshop a workshop series about how to launch your own podcast oh, cool. here in Vietnam, like last February. Um, so that, I mean, I, I was able to monetize. So it's it's not like directly monetization from the podcast, but uh-huh. just the fact that I had a podcast and I had all this experience with other clients uh, gave me the credibility to be able to charge money to help other people cool. do that. That's great. And... Even just with guests, like uh, if they have some kind of product, I'll get a free sample. Uh-huh. Uh, like someone ha- was doing um, like a face serum thing. So I got some free samples or another girl, she does haircuts, you know, like a haircut. So it's just like little perks like that. And then plus just friends, like mm. you said, like some of my, my greatest friends now came from the podcast. That's great. Mm-hmm. Cool. So how long have you been plant-based? Mm, probably about four or five years. Four or five years. Yeah. Before coming to Vietnam. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I watched one of those documentaries. I think it was called Proteinaholic. And it was talking about the like unnecessary obsession with animal protein that we have in the West. Or I guess everywhere. Um, and from the, at that moment, I was like, yeah, okay, I'm going to go vegetarian. And started cutting out 
red meat and chicken and things like that. Um, but I was still holding on to fish and eggs and cheese and things like that. I was like, no, I could, I could never give up cheese. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And it was a very, very slow process. Even when I said I'm giving up chicken, like I still had chicken sometimes. Right. So it was very slow process. And it's only been until very recently, like three weeks ago. I think this is my third week fully vegan. Wow, vegan, mm-hmm. straight up vegan. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's good because actually here in Vietnam, the vegan scene is pretty great. Yeah. There's tons of vegan restaurants. Yeah, it's really easy to be vegan, vegan yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. What's your favorite vegan restaurant here in Vietnam, in Saigon? I love to order from House of Chai. House of Chai. I've yeah, they place. have awesome dishes. Yeah. I haven't tried it, but it's it's been named before for mm-hmm, sure. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. And then, um, so you started doing this. Why? Why did you start going plant-based? Is there a main reason? Is it because you didn't feel comfortable with your health? At that time, I was kind of... I had an unhealthy mindset about being healthy. Like, it was more like, I just want to be skinny. Right. I just want to look good. And so, I, even when I went vegetarian, it was in a very unhealthy way where I was like, okay, I'm just going to, I'm just going to remove meat and just have salad <laughs> or just have like some zucchini, which is like zero calorie. Like, I was just obsessed with the z- calories right. and just be skinny. That was my only mindset. And luckily, I've sort of worked on my own like mental health and moved out of that space. Um, and now, even going through my health certification, nutritionist certification, it's just undeniable. Like the research is out there that this like plant based is the healthiest that you can do for your body and for the animals and for the planet. Um, and I think back then too. I used to be like, oh, people who are activists, like environmentalists and save the animals kind of people, uh, I used to be like, oh, good for them that they're so into that. Like, I looked at it more as like, that's their hobby. Like, oh, they're an environmentalist. That's their hobby. My hobby is dancing. But like, no, it's not a hobby. It's like it's a, a need mm-hmm. that like everyone needs to be aware of and involved in because... We only get one planet. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I could go on about it for days. Yeah, no, no, that's <laughs> great. Um, and, and because I know that um, a lot of the stuff that you do for women's health is about their men- menstrual cycle, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And you also realize that your diet has a lot to do with that. Yeah. Um, so then I'm guessing that you dived in way more into the health than just being yeah. a vegan and then, okay, I'm just going to cut yeah. out the meat and stuff like that. Exactly. And you started studying more I about mean, that. Yeah. So learning about the impact that the food we eat has on our hormones mm. and that's what it's all about. Like we are also brought up to think that having super painful cramps and like having all these mood swings and brain fog and headaches is just like part of being a woman when in actuality all of that happens because of the poor diets that we're brought up on and because of the environment with all these chemicals and antibiotics in the meat and all of that kind of thing um even cows like they produce milk of course after they have a baby and that's when their estrogen hormone levels are high and then we consume that cow estrogen Mm. and then that throws off our hormones so it's it's all interesting once i started 
learning these things, it's like, okay, I, I can't, I can't unsee what I've seen or like unhear what I've heard. Like it's all here right in front of me. I have to change. And when I would look at these productivity hacks that you see on social media or like read these books, I noticed that it was always men like talking about these hacks and it was very geared towards men. And then somewhere along the line, I came across someone mentioning cycle syncing and how it's a way to work with your hormonal cycle in a way that allows you to be your most energetic and productive. And it was right. the first time I like heard about productivity in relation very specifically to women. And mm-hmm. I was like, wow, what is this? And that sort of merged with the whole vegan veganism and learning about those health aspects. And it just all started coming together of like, okay, this just makes the most sense, like whole foods, plant-based diet, um, certain kinds of exercise at certain times, um, because you can you can definitely exercise too much, and that will throw off your hormones right. too. Um, and I think also I had started to start tracking, um, tracking my cycle tracking along with the moon phases because even like the moon it very much uh relates to our cycle Mm -hmm. uh the moon has four phases our cycle has four phases and they very much like match each other um and even that allowed me to start feeling just more in touch with my body and i found that i could like my intuition was stronger i just felt more connected um and just the whole concept of sort of fighting the patriarchy and like this whole notion that we need to take pills and be disconnected from our body and all of that i think that's really the motivation for me is just to know like just to hear the truth of what's going on right um okay and and so all this stuff has has that made your cycle more regular and you have more of an understanding Mm, so i had been i had the iud the hormonal iud form of birth control Uh for the past three years and so that with that you don't have a period at all um you have like some other kind of fake hormones pumping into you to keep you uh keep your body in like a pregnant state basically hormonally um that doesn't sound so that you don't ovulate because if you don't ovulate if you don't release an egg then there's nothing to fertilize Mm, so you don't get pregnant um but what they don't tell you is that it is so crucial to our health to ovulate and that our period is kind of a monthly report card of like how your health is doing Mm. so if your period is regular if you're not having cramps if everything's like all good and as it should be then you're good but if you're having uh really painful cramps or really heavy bleeding or mood swings or all that it's kind of like your check engine light saying like hey something's wrong here something's off so so the girls that feel really bad during that time of the month it shouldn't be as bad as as it is yeah and unfortunately i think society kind of perpetuates the idea that it's normal Mm -hmm. which is the problem and and even when women try to talk about like oh i feel so bad or whatever it's it's 
either like laughed off side. or like, oh my God, you're just being so hormonal or, yeah. you know, like stop complaining or something right, like that. Right, and, right. and then it makes them less likely to go to a doctor and try and get help. And even if they do go to the, to the doctor, sometimes even there you're, you're met with, oh, like, like their pain isn't taken as seriously. Yeah. And a doctor that's a guy, how can he really... Mm-hmm. diagnose you properly if mm-hmm. he doesn't know how it feels mm-hmm. um, wow, yeah that's interesting because I know you've done a lot of programs mm-hmm. um, yourself and you've helped a lot of women in this mm-hmm. what has been the reaction of the feedback because uh, is there more more girls out there that are unaware that that's an issue I think so I think it's a combination of wow this is the first time I'm hearing any of this yeah. or maybe people have heard but they didn't have the motivation to like fully dive in and because it's kind of intimidating when you first hear about like oh what you're eating and the products in your environment and like how you exercise it all has an impact on your cycle and it can feel Mm -hmm. very overwhelming to be like oh my god I have to like change everything in my life now just so I don't have to feel this pain and then also some people don't want to, they don't want to hear that birth control is bad for them because it's so easy to just take a pill or to just have an IUD and forget about it and not worry about like, I mean, I guess you kind of should still be using condoms, but things like that. Um, I mean, just not worrying about accidentally getting pregnant. Mm. So it is like, I think it's hard to take in at first. So I think some people are kind of put off by it at first um but ultimately people want to improve their health so i'm sort of speaking to the people who are who are ready to hear it and ready to take action on it which a lot of people are i'm doing a nutritionist certification um and but my focus like i read a ton of books and follow a ton of experts more in the hormonal health space and especially in gut health because your gut health is like so important when it comes to your hormonal health um so there's a lot that can be done nutritionally to improve your gut health so that's where my focus is and I yeah for the past few months I'd done these monthly workshops Mm -hmm. free or very cheap workshops when we could meet in person in Saigon I was doing those and that was really fun Um, and then when we started having more lockdown situation um, I did a group program that was online and it gave them a lot of like material and education about gut health about how to detox the liver because that's important too for hormones and stress management and all those things um so i did that in may for a month and that was really fun and i would like to continue if my visa situation lets me right yeah yeah (laughs) continue for the people that are listening or watching currently right now in vietnam when it comes to visa for expats, it's becoming very difficult um, because of the coronavirus situation and other situations. Uh, right now, you are on a work permit mm-hmm. um, with your job, but they told you that you can't extend mm-hmm. um, unless you go full time. Yeah, and that's the last thing you want to do because you have a whole other things that are way more important to you. Yeah. Um, and right now, me, I'm on a tourist visa, and we're getting free extension every month, but 
Next month, they can just say no, and I have to leave mm-hmm. probably in the next 30 days. Um, so I, I as well don't know what to do. Um, so currently, right now, do you have any plans? <laughs> or you have made up plans that you might want to go to Mexico if it doesn't yeah. work out in Vietnam? It's so funny. Yesterday, I literally just had, like, a meltdown. Like, it was just one of those days where I'm like... I'm not going to do anything but lay in my bed and cry and right. just like and just think about all the disaster scenarios that could happen. And <laughs> yeah, it was kind of like what do I what am I going to do? Yeah. Like what can I do in 3 months? Cuz I'm also it's really like it just breaks my heart that I spent pretty much this whole year focusing so hard on building this community and like building sort of getting people to see me and hear my message about this sort of stuff and like making relationships with people connections and I was doing that with the intention of to eventually like have a business here as as an actual proper coach and now it's like nope maybe not so so your intentions were to stay in Saigon long term yeah at at least for another year um, because I think while I do love Vietnam and Ho Chi Minh City, I think around four years is getting like, okay, I, I'm starting to get like itchy feet. Like I want to okay. go somewhere else and have a new adventure. Uh-huh. And also because the dating scene here is like absolutely zero. Right. And I would like to date again. Okay. So yeah, I think those factors kind of were getting in the way. Right. Well, in the last podcast, the girl actually said the same thing, that mm-hmm. the dating scene here is ridiculous for girls. Mm-hmm. Um, can you explain a little bit more about what you mean? Yeah, it just means that, I mean, here I haven't yet come across someone that I would consider, <laughs> I feel weird saying like on my level, but right. I guess in the past I had really really low standards and I would just kind of go for whatever Uh and now that I've worked a lot on my health my physical health my mental health I I you know I track what I'm doing every day I I have goals like I've achieved a lot and I believe that I deserve to be with someone who is on that level and who is also like into that kind of thing they have to be or it wouldn't work out yeah Yeah. so i mean not that i have actively even tried dating because i've just heard so many horror stories that i'm like eh, i'm not even gonna try (laughs) it just seems like there's nothing out there to find and the guys the nice guys that i do meet because i have a lot of guy friends here who are on that level but they're all in relationships (laughs) so it's like okay um so i would hope maybe if i go somewhere else yeah. maybe i'll find those cool but yeah do you think it was easier back in the states no to date <laughs> oh, okay <laughs> well but i guess the caveat is that when i was in the states i was not ready to date either right. like i was also mm. not the best like most dateable person right. like i was out there like just sort of going after getting more validation mm. and like ego boost and just going after like oh he's hot you know right, so like yeah. whatever That's nothing what you're doing you're young, yeah right. nothing else mattered and i think now that i've i've done the work you know like i've gone to therapy i've like done all these things like i i read a lot like i want someone else who has done that work and is ready right. 
Well, if, we, if, if anybody's listening that can meet those requirements, yeah. can you meet? Can you meet the list of requirements? And vegan, <laughs> vegan, yeah, vegan. yeah, or at least like Vegetarian. have the mindset of moving towards it. Right, because it took right. me five years to be mm-hmm. vegan, so I would be a hypocrite if I said like, of course, oh, you have to like be vegan right now. Yeah, yeah, and I guess in Vietnam, when it comes to dating, seventy percent of the guys are Vietnamese. Um, yeah. So the language barrier, fifty percent of them are cut off. Yeah, yeah. You, yep. you can't date someone that can't speak with you. Yeah, you can't communicate with. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thirty uh, percent are expats, mm-hmm. which I would say twenty percent are English teachers, mm-hmm. and all they want to do is just teach English and yeah. have a good time and party. Mm-hmm. And that's not what you're chasing. Right. So I know exactly what you mean. And so if you had to leave Vietnam, where would you go to? So after you know hearing what everyone else is doing it seems like a lot of people are going to Mexico because it's similar cost of living um, I guess similar culture I mean obviously different culture but like compared to America like similar Um, and yeah a lot of other expats I don't like the idea of weather weather exactly I don't like the idea of being with a bunch of other like American expats. Right. I don't yeah. have very many American friends oh, really? here okay. even. And I don't know. I I feel like I would get bored easily if I didn't have like a a very diverse community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess yeah, if you go to Mexico it would be a bit Americanized. And yeah. It would feel like home again and you'd be mm-hmm. like, might as well just go back home. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna be here. Yeah. I agree. Um yeah. I, I would like to go to Mexico, actually. Um, I think Mexico. I speak Spanish, mm-hmm. so that's my native language. So mm-hmm. it would be great to be able to go to a place again where yeah. you can hear Spanish. And, and I would love to learn. Like I would, I think I would try to learn Spanish. Yeah. Yeah. How's your Vietnamese? I no. <laughs> <laughs> I did not try to learn. I'm. I feel very regretful now that yeah. it's been three years, and it was always like, oh, next year I'll do it. Next year I'll do it. Yeah. And now like there maybe is no next year, and I'm like, oh shit, should have yeah. done it. I know it's just it's difficult and the reality is is that after you leave Vietnam you're gonna forget it because mm-hmm. it's not a language that's spoken anywhere else mm-hmm. so um but I do try you know just at least the basic words I'm sure yeah, you've learned yeah yeah um, and people appreciate that here mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um okay so Mexico what about um you wouldn't want to stay in Asia um I don't know like I almost feel like I feel like this like nationalistic pride in yeah. vietnam that i'm like if it's gonna be asia it's gonna be vietnam right. like wow. i i feel so like loyal <laughs> to yeah. this country like more than america oh my <laughs> god that's so awesome yeah um that's beautiful to hear though that's yeah nice. i think a lot of expats feel that way because it really is the best form of lifestyle that i've ever lived mm-hmm, mm-hmm. no doubt exactly everything and I, yeah i think like I don't know. I I feel like a different Asian country. It would be like, oh, this is this is close, but not enough. So it's almost like I would rather go somewhere just completely different. Right. Would you continue teaching English, or how would you finance your travels? From what I've seen in Mexico, it seems like it's not a similar situation mm-hmm. where I think in Mexico, like you don't make that much money teaching um like here in vietnam i can i can live off of my monthly part-time salary Mm -hmm. which is incredible yeah it's great and it would not be that way and it's comfortable living as well yeah comfortable living 
And so that's what scares me the most. That's the big question for me right now is like, yeah, I guess really like focusing on building my health coaching business um, and trying to do that in Mexico. I guess I, I would probably go to Mexico and I would probably immediately start building my community there just like finding my people putting myself out there I would probably just like put on a free workshop and be like hey people I'm here this is what I'm all about and just start spreading the word there that's so good I love that you see guys (laughs) that's a great example um because I think a lot of people that are listening their biggest concern is how are they going to make their money or is it going to be the same opportunities over there as there are here? Mm-hmm. And the answer is yes. There's mm-hmm. always more opportunities. Like yeah. if you leave your hometown, you're going to get more opportunities. Do you feel just yeah. because if you stay where you're from, um, everyone around you is the same. So the opportunities are actually less than mm-hmm. coming out here. Yeah, for sure. And in America, it feels like it kind of feels like there's nothing that hasn't been done before. Like in America, there's, thousands of podcasts whereas when I came to Vietnam there were like pretty much none so I could be the first one to sort of bring that and in America like people are are already talking about nutrition and health and cycle syncing and all that stuff not like that much but um, here it's still what like brand new kind of thing so it's true I just feel like yeah I can be kind of a big fish in a small pond right, type of right. thing. Now that I've like successfully left my hometown and started this whole life here, it doesn't seem as daunting or scary to do it again. It's like, it's sad. Like I don't want to have to do that and I love my life here and I don't want to leave. But at the same time, it's like, but I could if right. I had to mm-hmm. and I won't, I won't like crumble like my life won't end yeah I'll figure yeah, it out exactly yeah the more you do it the more you move the easier it gets mm-hmm. um i agree with you and now that you've done it here you you realize that the opportunities of making money online as well mm-hmm. are there you know um or as you say just starting somewhere scratch and building a community mm-hmm. um, it's all about putting yourself out there and i think that's a great idea like even i i should be doing that um mm-hmm. As a videographer, I should, as soon as I get to a new city, create a free workshop for anyone that learns how to do videos. Yep. And you start networking and meeting new people and yep. new opportunities come from yeah. that. That's beautiful. I'm going to do that. I would probably start a, another podcast. I'd be like, all right, creators in Mexico, like, here we go. Oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> Just make it worldwide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you should, we should, we should work together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seriously, because that's what my podcast is going to be about. People yeah. that travel. Mm-hmm. It's just interviewing people in every different location I go to mm-hmm. because this is why I started this podcast. Mm-hmm. Exactly like you, um, I was having good conversations with people yeah. and I felt like, oh man, I wish we were recording this. Like, mm-hmm. I wish we, oh, we can save this. <laughs> yes. um, and then now it's always saved. Yep. So it's fucking awesome. Yep. It's great. It's, it's going to be so cool to look back in like 10 years oh. and be like, wow. I know, I know. I'm never going <laughs> to stop this podcast. I'm always going to do it. Yeah. Um, and, and also, the people that I've met that listen to my podcast, they... They continue listening, obviously, because they resonate with me and they're mm-hmm. similar to who I am. So you always meet the coolest people. So you guys that are listening, that are watching, that are liking and commenting, thank you so much, seriously. Um, and I hope to meet all of you guys one day and for everyone to travel and pursue this awesome lifestyle that we're speaking of. Yes. Um, so I think that's that's great, everything that we've heard from you. What's mm-hmm. Where can people find you? Where can people listen to you? Mm-hmm. Um, 
Yes. So if you're interested in hearing about creators, entrepreneurs, and we talk a lot about life, business, relationships, cultural identity is a big topic on our podcast because we have a lot of people who come from mixed backgrounds and trying to navigate that kind of thing. Uh, And mental health we talk about. So any of those topics um, you can find on the Creators in Saigon podcast. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all the apps. Beautiful. Um, And me, uh, I guess you can find my Instagram. It's at dana.com. Drehos, mm-hmm. so I'm sure cool. you'll link that. Yeah, everything will be down in the description for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, and do you have a website or you have a website? I do, but it's kind of under construction oh, okay, right now. Okay, so yeah. go to your Instagram and yeah. then people can find out more about yeah, that. Yeah, I'll update on that. Cool, yeah. cool. Well, that's great. Um, I think you have a lot of value to give to the people out there. Uh, I never heard about this menstrual cycle stuff, so mm-hmm. it's topic that I guess is not talked about a lot um, mm-hmm. so I'm sure a lot of girls will hit you about that yeah yeah um, it's great and I'm planning on know. I'm planning on making a resource for guys too right so that they can be more informed. I was gonna ask you like yeah. is there one for us yeah <laughs> <laughs> do we have that because yes. I heard that guys can also um have some type of menstrual cycle that we don't know about Maybe oh no I mean <laughs> I mean a resource for guys in terms of like understanding the fe- like if they have you know a female partner mm. or colleague or friend um, just be helping educated. be educated yeah helping them understand the female hormonal cycle I'm sure there's plenty to talk about too in terms of men uh, male hormones but oh, I'm not yeah, as yeah. not as well versed in yeah, that topic not me either, <laughs> not me either. Um, but I think it's good I think that's great uh, I think it should be talked about a lot because mm. maybe guys don't even know about it yeah you know yeah I mean now it's obviously yeah I um, mean if a lot of women are I'm 28 and I'm like just finding out about this now mm. so yeah if a lot of women don't even know and it, I think it has to be something that has to be named consistently because Guys just don't forget. We don't get it. So it's not mm-hmm. something that comes to our mind. Yeah. Um, that's great. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Yeah. Well, Dana, awesome. thank you so much for coming yeah, to your, you. the podcast. It was um, fun. And I look forward to probably interviewing you somewhere else in somewhere the world again. Somewhere else in the world. Uh-huh. <gasps> That'd be so cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you guys so much for watching again, people that travel. We really appreciate every single one of you. And if you have reached the end of this video, please make sure to give us a like, a comment, and let me know what other questions that maybe I didn't ask. That would be good to ask in the next podcast um, for the next person I'll be interviewing. I know that this is a Spanish and English podcast. I have really struggled to to find Spanish-speaking people. um, But I think there will be someone in the next podcast. Um, So if you don't speak any Spanish, I'm sorry. But as you guys know, I just do some Spanish and some English. Anyways, y'all, thank you so much for watching. As you've heard, it's all possible. Things are going back to normal in the States. People can travel. If you feel unhappy, if you feel unsatisfied, if you're going to work and just hating your life and this is all you think about and all you want to do, just do it. Um, You only need $500, $600. As soon as you move, you will make it work. Trust me. There's something about the human body that when it's under pressure, things work out just because you have no choice. Um, I've done it countless of times and this is another example. It just it gets easier and easier the more you do it. Uh, so this is what this podcast is all about. To motivate you guys to just really take action, stop doubting because life is short. Until next time, Christian Rodriguez, bye.